recording. Oh. I just hit record. Right now? Yes. Well, then we should do something. Hi, friends. <laughs> For anyone listening, you would never know this was our hundred and something podcast. I think it's our hundredth and tenth episode. <laughs> but you would never know. Beginner's mind. Oh, I'm always starting from a place that's brand new. Always. Which makes me think of spring. I actually thought that this morning. I got up and I was walking to come meet you for coffee. And New York looked amazing. And everywhere there were flowers, tulips, birds. The colors were so vibrant. And I was like, it's a new beginning. It's a new season. Mm. The universe declares to us in 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 the cycle of all things that we are always starting new. That's it. And so we actually wanted to bring you this podcast today to talk about spring, this change of season, this change of time, this change of moment. Um, and, uh, this, this idea of Easter, this idea that something rises, something comes, something opens. And for all of us, whether it's a creative project, whether it's an opening of an illusion in our mind, there is an opportunity during this time for us to open our eyes, to open our perspective, to open ourselves to something that has never been before. And after a long, dark winter, this can be a time where really the air, the ether element is stirring up a lot of stuff inside of us. And that can be a really exciting thing if we can learn to just embrace and be curious about whatever change is coming in. Well, one of the things that occurred to me today, and I felt like I could taste it in the air, was this feeling of life is full of opportunities, Mm -hmm. this fresh beginning. So at any moment, we have the ability to lay down our past, lay down our burdens, lay down anything that came from before this moment and enter into our day, into our life and say it's brand new. And there is so much and the world is brimming with opportunities. We saw a friend of ours today. We had the very best Easter Sunday. We're going to tell you all about our fabulous day. It was incredible. But we saw, I saw, it was an old friend of mine from Los Angeles. His name is John Lee Cope. And he now uh, lives back in his home state of Kentucky. But he works with a lot of young people. And he was here supervising some high school students who, who are in New York for their very first time. And he said, it's so fun to say, yes, here is a New York. Here is all this. And there is still more. And there is still more, and there is still more. Yeah, and it was such an empowering conversation to think, do any of us remember the first time we discovered that life was a little bit bigger? Mm. And we were sharing with John about the first time I went overseas, the first time I traveled, and how for me that was such an opening that the world is so much bigger than I thought it was. There's so many ways people live. There's so many ways to see the world. There's so many ways to, to do so many things. And many of us are in a habit of not connecting to and asking for what we really want. We ask for what we think is possible based on a limited perception. And so for many of us, it's difficult to even live into a lovable future because for so many people I've even coached one-on-one and I say, what do you want? And what they want feels very limited. And you say, well, what about bigger? Well, well, bigger is not possible and I don't want to have expectations and then be disappointed. Mm. So it's almost like I'd rather shoot low and, and have a potential of feeling like I could get it than shoot high and feeling like there's a potential I might not. And so there becomes this real 
interesting thing that we were talking about that the world is this delightful buffet of opportunity of moments of savoring of touching tasting feeling smelling experiencing a plethora of things at every given moment and it's almost like we don't get that we already have it we don't get that we've already been given the permission we don't get how much is available to us well i think we're always so afraid of completely entering the present moment you were saying this today there was one point in our beautiful afternoon we were just laying in the grass with our feet in the dirt and we were looking up at the sky and we we're talking about our dreams and you shared something that was on my heart this very mo- mo- uh, morning of sometimes I can watch my mind my conditioned mind wanting to achieve something that's in the future or dreaming about something that's to come and not realizing in this moment is all of the rich, juicy, wonderful things. There's an entire universe of itself to enter in right here. If I fully allow myself to be present, I fully allow myself to see what is here, to smell, to taste. So even today as we were wandering through Central Park, we had so much fun uh, telling everyone that we saw what we appreciated about them. <laughs> if we liked your dress, we were telling you. If we liked your hair, we were telling you. Your hat, your smile. And it's so much fun to give yourself permission to say, what in this moment is joy? And then the joy increases. And yes. we came up with this phrase today called double joy. <laughs> We came by it, honestly. Yes. So what happened was we were going through Central Park (laughs) and really giving ourselves permission to be in our childlike joy, our childlike pleasure. And that is one of the ways the world opens for us, is if you allow yourself to see the world like a child does, to go, wow. And at one point, our friend John Lee was flying this kite, and we saw these little kids just looking up at the kite in awe. And Natalie said to me, we forget to look up in awe, don't we? And so giving ourselves full permission to be in our childlike awe, we go down the trail and Natalie sees an Easter egg just hidden among the trees. It doesn't look like there's anyone around. <laughs> and you go, I was, I like ran to it. Oh my gosh, I found an Easter egg and I picked it up and it was purple and amazing. And I felt so excited. And moments later, Kristen said, I found one too. And there was a beautiful pink Easter egg and we had so much delight in finding them. And then all of a sudden, I had this kind of thought like, oh, I hope these weren't Easter eggs that were hidden for someone that we've now just taken. (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, it's the middle of the afternoon. I'm sure someone had an Easter egg hunt early this morning. And now we get them, delight. And then John Lee goes, um, and he points. And there's a little girl and her dad, and he's leading her by the trees. And now there are no Easter eggs because (laughs) Natalie and I took them. And so we went back to the girl. We were like, we accidentally got your Easter eggs. And we put them by the trees. And what was so funny is she lit up. She was so excited and she goes, I got two more Easter eggs. And she was so happy. And then we just uh, cheered and then her dad cheered and it was so fun. And John Lee said, oh, you got double joy. Right, right. It's that feeling of you know, we can be excited for others' good and Mm -hmm. we can be excited for our own good. We can celebrate every moment. You know, something that we were thinking about and talking about today is how limited our perception is on just how great 
some things in our life are. And it's really tricky when we're in this constant state of, of focusing on what needs to be fixed. Mm. So many of us have almost an obsession with problem solving and doing and achieving. And somehow that actually keeps us completely out of the present moment of what's already been given, what's already here, what's already good. And it's really just a choice. I was doing this research this week about the difference between pessimism and optimism. And one of the things that one of the studies I was looking at was talking about is that to be a pessimist is to live in the belief system that it will never change. And to be an optimist is to live in the belief system of it's always changing and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And so pessimism is I'm in this dark place. I'm in this bad moment. My bank account is this much. My life is like this and it will never change. And so I continue to ruminate and obsess about that. And the optimistic view of life is, yeah, and yes, and so yes, there's things happening and it's changing and the whole world is changing and whatever's happening can serve something else. And while that's happening, I can do something else. I can think about something else. I can see something else. I can choose something else. And that's really the only difference between seeing the glass half empty or half full is just seeing it as something that is changing. And so I don't have to attach to it. I can actually just see it as all transient and enjoy whatever ride I'm on. And when you say that thing about the, you know, the thoughts we keep thinking, what comes to my mind is Abraham Hicks in this talk I was listening to earlier this week when she said our beliefs really are just the thoughts we keep thinking. And we know from all of our study that we do is what tends to show up in our life is our repeated thought patterns, right? So what we are focused on is what we see and therefore what we attract And it's really a fun, fun exercise to use the control that we have of our mind to go, I'm changing that internal story. Mm. I want to see what it feels like in my body when I start thinking differently. When I start reprogramming this brain of mine, I love to think, if I was thinking the thoughts of spirit right now, what would be going through my brain? I was thinking that in spin class today and I was, when I was on the bike, sometimes Natalie and I talk about like what comes up during spin. (laughs) There are so many deep revelations that come up during spin class. And today I was really thinking about what are spirits thoughts of me? Hmm. And in this moment it would be, you're beautiful and you're doing a great job and we're so proud of you and you're limitless and you're appreciated, and you're powerful. And I was just thinking, if I can just allow myself to really be an antenna for what spirit thinks about me Mm. and how the divine sees me. Mm. Weren't we having that funny conversation the other day, right? Where you're like, oh, that's what it's like when the divine looks at us and be like, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. Will you please tell that story? Well, It it was funny. It's actually uh, something I was even um, thinking about and sharing with you about this morning. So uh, my sweet grandfather uh, is in his uh, moment of transition Mm -hmm. in his life. uh, And 
he, I was telling this really funny story about him that he in the last years of his life has suffered from dementia and he's gotten more and more forgetful, obviously, as the disease has, has gone on in, in his, in his life. And he always loved to have wine and he loved his wine and his wine was his thing. And it got to a point where it, it would make him more forgetful and it would make him more grouchy and all the things. And so my grandmother was really like, you can't have wine, you can't have wine. And it would just make him worse. So finally we, we had this, and then he, he, we, they ended up having this thing where uh, nanny would say, okay, you can have like one wine at 4 PM. So he's like waiting all day for wine to come. She would give him his wine and he would drink it. And then 10 minutes later, he would forget that he had it. And he's like, where's my wine? You told me all day I could have wine. And it was like so frustrating, but it's also like, he doesn't know he already had it. And I was Mm. saying, isn't that all? I think that sometimes that's how our higher power looks at us and thinks they don't know that I already gave it to them. They don't know that I gave them this beautiful world and all of these amazing things and a new day and a new opportunity and this person to love and this person to look at and this dharma to do. Like, they don't know that I already gave them everything. And for me, it's almost like we come into this life and it's this big amnesia and waking up on the spiritual path is really just getting to remember that it's for us, Mm -hmm. that there is a loving energy that brought us here. Whatever you believe that, that, that none of this is random, you know, this is billions of years in the making and you have shown up you out of everything that could have been created in the entire universe you exactly as you are were brought here at this moment and created and it's purposeful and it's loving and so if we could only remember that we already have it it's already been given to us we don't have to seek anything from the world we just have to wake up to the fact that we already have it it's like we're sitting right in front of the world's biggest buffet table anything we want is here for us to have, to create, to make. And we sit in front of that buffet table bemoaning the fact of how hungry we are. Exactly. And it's just a much more empowering conversation and a much more empowering belief system to say, what if I could change my mind, my thoughts, Mm -hmm. and see that I already have it instead of spending my life trying to get it from a source that can't give it to me because it's already given it. It's already here. And it's a really fun exercise to do to look at what is that thing you don't think you have. Because your thought of I don't have it is actually the thing that's withholding it from you. Mm. Right? Mm. And just putting it on paper, like Byron Katie says, like put put your thoughts down on paper. And if you can write down in a sentence, here's the thing I don't think I have. And then try writing the opposite down and then start looking for evidence of the opposite. Mm. And you'll start to see it. Mm. And it gets really exciting to start to start to build a case for how much you already have that thing. Yes. And that happened this morning in our conversation um, when you were talking about your flight. Yes. I watched you make yes. a mental switch. Mm-hmm. I saw you go from 
one thought system to another within an hour. And it's yes. great being friends with Natalie because, like, I see her make the shit. It's fun. It's just fun. So will you tell the story? <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, as I said, uh, my grandfather's transitioning out of this life, and I was looking for a flight so that I could go home and be with my family. And where I'm from is just very tricky to get to. It's, it's a real small town. There's not a lot of flights that go in there, and it's last minute, so it's very expensive and complicated. And it was really looking like four or five flights just to get there and and it it was all and so by the time Kristen found me I was just on Expedia on cheap air on all these websites trying to find a solution and it was feeling tight and and I would try to buy a flight and it would sell out I'd try to buy another flight and it would sell out and and I was starting to feel that energy inside of me of of fear and of worry and of that uh, this isn't going to work out and this is hard and this is high stakes and and then when by the time you saw me, I said, here's what's going on. And, and you, just like an amazing best friend, said, oh, I can imagine, you know, I, I know like how scary that can feel with all the emotions of what's going on with your family and everything. And I, I hear you and I'm here for you. And, and we just walked a little while longer. And then it was the switch. It was, I said, okay. I'm going to make the choice to just put this away for now. I'm going to make the choice to say, I know I live in a universe that loves me and supports me. And I know I live in a universe that wants me to be able to go home and be with my family during this time. And I need to believe more in that than in this website working or not. Yes. And so I said, Kristen, I'm going to talk to you about exactly what I'm feeling right now. I'm going to make a choice to put this phone away. And while I'm doing it, I also have the awareness that because every flight keeps selling out, I have tremendous fear that by the time I pick this up again, it will have been a mistake. And I'm just going to say that out loud, but then I'm going to decide that my belief system is bigger than my fear. And I'm just going to put this away. And about an hour later, I picked up the phone, I tried one more time, and there was a perfect flight available that wasn't there before. It was almost like all those other flights did sell out, and then they opened up a new flight that was even a better time, and uh, it, it, and it just was that moment where we looked at each other, and it's like, that's the practice. Mm-hmm. That's the practice. Can my faith be bigger than my fear? Mm-hmm. And the ability to put it down, Right. We talk about that sometimes when technology isn't working or it feels like we're going uphill, something isn't in the flow. It just needs a little space around it. Yeah. Someone said the other day, and I loved this, they said, anytime you're in that state of being, take a pause. And pause standing for postpone action until sanity emerges. Yes. I mean, yes. Take a pause, postpone action until sanity emerges. And I think that's incredibly important not only for you, but for the other people involved. For example, if I mean not that mm-hmm. this would ever happen, but if you and I were in it, yeah. you know, and arguing or upset with each other or not feeling like the other one was being seen and heard, It's not only a good idea for me to pause and not say that thing and step away and say, I love you. And I'm just going to step away for a little bit. 
it's not only a good idea for me, it's a good idea for you. Because if I'm talking to your pain body, or if I'm talking to your ego, all you can feel is defensive and angry in return, no matter what I say. So the pause is for my sanity Mm -hmm. to return and for your sanity to return. The, The pause is for me to say, I don't have to be the doer. There can be grace that can come up in this situation. There can be a higher power. There can be a source of love. There can be something else that can emerge here if I get out of the way and take care of my own sanity. That that was what the feeling was this morning. I'm feeling anxious and stressed and worried and afraid and like I'm going to make a mistake. Okay, so from this place, I should not take an action. Mm. So let me not take an action until I no longer feel those things. Well, and that sanity you talked about is really remembering that you live in this loving, beautiful universe that supports you and wants your good. And once we can take action out of remembering that we live in a universe that wants our happiness and that wants our good, then we're in a divine flow. And so isn't that interesting just to notice when our mind is acting out of scarcity or not not enoughness or fear of what may happen versus when we're acting out of that faith and being able to like watch ourselves sometimes on a daily or hourly basis toggle between the two and really making that choice. One of the best things about today was how much freedom we allowed ourselves just to be wherever we were and to trust the moment to give us whatever the moment wanted to, like letting the moment delight us. And I realized there is a lot of faith in allowing what is to be enough. Right? Mm. Like allowing this moment to have everything that we need. Mm. And for someone who has talked openly about all of my workaholic issues, there is so much ease I feel in that not doing, but trusting that whatever needs to get done gets done, that I have enough, that I can nourish myself, I can restore myself, I can rest, I can replenish myself, and trusting that when there is action to take, that that will be clear too. But the space, the space around action becomes really important because I do think that's when we plug in and that's when our our hearing gets really fine-tuned. And so just for me to notice in myself, whenever I think that what is isn't enough, and that's when I've made up a story that really isn't trusting the divine. And I always feel like the divine's like, hey, I'm just going to be here until you get this. Mm. I'm just going to be right here until you really trust that I've already given it all to you, right? Like your grandma, your grandpa, like... Yeah, you already have it. You you already have it. You just don't remember. Yeah, you don't need to go looking for it somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, you just have to wake up the part inside of you that thinks it's in deprivation. Yes. And awaken to, oh, every need is met. I mean, we've talked about this before, but we come in here in a womb, We're floating in this water kind of place inside a human body 
And every single thing that we need to grow from a little embryo into a human being is given to us. And we have never asked. Mm -hmm. We don't say, oh, hey, I need this to live now. Or, hey, I need this so my eyes can grow. Or, I need this so my fingers can grow. We don't even have any consciousness. We don't have even an ability to ask for what we need. And we don't have to ask because it's already given. Yes. When we need to breathe, we have it. Yes. When our heart needs to beat, it beats. Yes. When we need to get fed, it's given. You know, it's 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 in the nature that it's already given to us. Well, and that's what I think the divine is like, baby girl, I've given you everything because I love you. It is for love. So if you decide to start using it for another purpose besides love... If you decide, I've given it to you so that your joy might be full. So if you decide to take joy away from it. So I start to think about that with like my work. Your work is here because I love you and I want you to be in joy. So if you haven't brought joy into the room with you, if you're making up a story about your work that joy is not involved, honey girl, that's you bringing that to the table. Right. right? If you're trying to use your work to get noticed or, or achievement or feel validated, you're bringing that to the store. I just want you to be in joy. And that's always available. Same thing with relationships. Uh, honey girl, I just want you to have the best time. I have given you this relationship for the purpose of joy. If you're bringing other stuff to the table, that's you, right? Mm-hmm. Our friendship, right? Or even this podcast. Like I can watch the divine saying to me, what you want to sound smart you want to sound like you know something okay well you're bringing that to it i've given this to you for the purpose of joy so that you might have a good time because you love talking and and with your best friend and having these kind of spiritual conversations because that is something that lights you up i keep trying to give you things for the purpose of your joy being full will you let it will you let it will you allow your joy to be full and right? that's what was fun about being in the park today. There were so many kids everywhere. Oh. And we kept having this conversation of when do we lose it, mm. right? Because we all, you saw it time and time and time again with every single child, you know, watching the kite go in the sky. Wow. Wow. You know, uh, like watching the Easter eggs running in the grass. Mm. And then you and I had the moment where... Uh, we were trying to fly the kite, and <laughs> our kite would not fly. Our kite would not fly. So we we tried on our own, and then we tried together. Like maybe if we do it together, like I think first of all, you actually have to be able to run a little bit faster than we can run. <laughs> because um, we, but the here was the magic of it. We're running around this little section of Central Park, laughing, running, our laughing, ass off. trying to get this kite Stepping in the air. Stepping in the mud, bare feet. It was so adorable. We could not stop laughing. And we had this moment of, it didn't look like there was that much mud mm-hmm. on the ground. And as soon as we started running in it, it was squishy and messy. It was awesome. And everywhere. And we were laughing. And finally, the kite went in the air for maybe nine seconds <laughs> maybe and 
every single person that was around us in the park having their picnic or yeah. doing what who's been watching this melodrama started with the clapping for us and cheering for us that we had nine seconds of success <laughs> no meanwhile we are like covered in mud oh. and laughing so hard we're crying but it was this moment of at what point do we become adult and say I can't put my feet in the mud. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't look silly in front of other people. If the kite doesn't go all the way up in the sky, then I fail. Right. Right. Making some sort of story or labeling the situation, as opposed to just mining the joy that is already there. What are people going to think about mm-hmm. me? Um, you know, how am I going to clean up this yeah. mess? And so there was something interesting that we started having the conversation on the walk back here of, what if we stopped with the adult notion that messes need to be cleaned. Yeah. And what if we just took on messes need to be enjoyed and relished Mm -hmm. and experienced? Like imagine the biggest mess in your life right now. Imagine the thing that you're like, oh, don't look in that drawer of my soul. Don't look at that bank account. Don't look at that relationship. Don't look at this behavior of mine. Right. And instead of trying to hide it or wish it wasn't there, what if you just relished in it? Oh, like if we know that we are these eternal spirits that come down in these bodies for a period of time and have this human experience, can we enjoy the mess like we enjoy the mud? Ooh, look at this. I have no idea what's going to happen over here. This is too big for me to know how to clean up. This is huge. Can I have a new relationship with it? Can I live in a kind of awe of it? I mean, doesn't it feel radical and like so rebellious to say, I'm actually not going to be mad at that thing. I'm going to love it and treasure it and be curious about it. It reminds me of the thing when sometimes you see on Instagram, like parents will post like their kids got into the magic markers and it's like everywhere. Or, you know, uh, someone said the other day, I turned my back for one second and my son got in my purse and like her makeup was like all over his body. Like he was like covered in makeup. And they're taking a picture of the kids like all covered and the kids don't have any awareness that anything is wrong until they see it reflected in the adult's Mm. eyes until the moment that the adult says that's bad. They thought it was just fun and play and, and silly. Yes. And it's not until someone came along and said, no, that we went, Oh, okay. Okay. Let's, let's tighten up. Let's be responsible. Let's be appropriate. Let, let's not do things that, that might take up too much space. And certainly part of maturation is learning, uh, you know, certain things that adulthood brings that are holy. Mm-hmm. Certainly aging is a beautiful and important process. So we don't want any of us to live in any kind of like stifled yeah. uh, state that that part of transitioning from kid to adult is learning a lot of powerful lessons, you know, but it's saying at what point do we, especially as creators and artists, at what point do we lose the zest for life and lose the ability to color outside the lines and celebrate that because we're so busy trying to impress someone, be validated or get it right. 
Well, I'm reading this book right now, which you know is just like rocking my world. And it's called Taming the Outer Child. It's sitting right behind you. And because oh. I like to give credit where credit is due, I'm going to pick it up. Oh, what a pretty book. The, co- the cover is great? amazing. Okay, Susan Anderson. Yeah. Here is the subtitle. Overcoming Self-Sabotage and Healing from Abandonment. Well, okay. I mean, that's okay. for all of us. Okay. Now, she breaks it down in this really interesting way, and I think her other book is called Healing the Abandonment Wound, and she talks about that she, she her process is saying you have an inner child, and that inner child has your emotional needs, has your creativity, is like that spark that we talk about when we talk about like doing your inner child work or taking your child out on a date or letting your child create. Like that's the inner child. And then we have this outer child that when the inner child's needs are not getting met, the outer child acts out. And she says by by really labeling this behavior as the outer child, it gives us then that thing of, it's not that I'm wrong, it's that there's a part of me that is asking for attention because of an inner need that's not being fulfilled, Mm. right? And then she talks about developing like a healthy parent that can um, just take the outer child in its arms and go, oh, hey, I saw that you ate a whole package of Oreos. Do you want to talk about that? Or, hey, I see you're running up your credit card. Or I notice that you have something that you want to write that you're not writing and you keep turning on Netflix instead of writing it. Like, do you want to talk about that? Mm. Of When do we have things in our life we want to create and there is a part of us that's creating behavior that's contrary to that? And it's really beautiful work. And because I am someone who so much loves to live in my childlike self, it has given me the ability to go, well, when am I acting out of that really pure place of love, joy, beauty, enthusiasm, wanting to create, wanting to explore, wanting to meet new people? And when is that childlike behavior coming out of a place because there's an inner need that wants to be fulfilled? And just being able to have that kind of dialogue has been really powerful for me to start to get to witness. So that, And what I find is that it's, it's always an, there's an ask from the inner child that is really an exciting, powerful ask, Mm. right? And then if I can listen to that ask, it expands my joy. I really love thinking about it in that way because so much of the time when we have stuff come up inside of us, we want to shame ourselves for having it. So I'm feeling so angry or I'm acting out in this way or I'm not writing my thing and I'm so angry at myself about it. Instead of saying, what do you need? Like, that's just a symptom. Yes. What's really going on here? Mm -hmm. And asked with love, asked with compassion, asked from a place of thank you so much for showing me this tantrum so I can get that there's a deep need here that isn't being fulfilled. So I can bring love to it. So I can bring compassion to it. It's even when I think about my, my grandfather, you know, part of the reason there was this dependency and you know, that glass of wine became so important was because he had an unlived life. He had dreams of being a great country singer that never got to get actualized. And so because of this dream not being fulfilled, 
that sadness had to go somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? And for all of us, we have a dharma on this planet. Dharma being the thing that keeps us in harmony with who we truly are and in harmony with the entire cosmos that created us to be who we are because we are the answer to something that the world needed. When we live from that place, we'll notice how easy it can be. And anytime we're not living from that place, that's when the sabotage, that's when the addiction, even things like workaholism, things that can disguise themselves as seeming like good things that are moving the ball forward, these things can really creep up. And it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to say, let me love this mess. Let me love this mess because this mess is revealing to me my exact point of growth that if not for this mess, I might never transcend this. I might never know how to really heal and give myself what I really need. And when I can give myself that inner need, then that means that child who's free and playful and looking up at the kite in the sky with wonder and awe, that child can now co-create with me. And now I'm connected to an even higher source of creativity than I could have ever imagined. It's my authentic power. So when I can really get plugged into that childlike self, she has all the answers. And taking time to listen to her. I mean, one of the things I've found just from like doing the exercises in the book is often my inner child is just saying to me, I'm tired. Yeah. Like, I just want to, I just want to rest a little more. I want to have a little more sleep. I want to have a little more downtime. I'd like to not talk to anyone for a little bit and just look out the window. Yeah, mine tells me a lot about space. Mm-hmm. I just want space. I want space to to. I want space in my schedule so that when I have a desire, I, I, you know, we can go and do that yeah. instead of being under obligation all the time. Being so regimented, mm-hmm. right? Mine today wanted an Easter basket, so mm-hmm. I made myself an Easter basket. Mine today really wanted a flower in my hair. Oh, yes. And that we, when we talk to our inner child and develop that kind of relationship with them, they really want to delight us. Yeah. They really want to. And it's real clear. So mm-hmm. many of us actually sit in this state of confusion. Mm. And, you know, we've said this before, but the confusion is the lie. Because the confusion is the thing that just keeps you having permission to be in in action because as soon as you know then there's a responsibility you know like if I know I want the flower in my hair and I really know it then I have a choice to get the flower or not and there's a job to do there right so but if I'm sitting in confusion it's easy to just say well I don't know what to do so then I don't have to do anything right yeah so anytime I'm in a state of confusion I always ask myself what is this confusion covering there's a deep knowing that is hidden underneath this. It's, it's like my mind is creating a fog over top of what I already know so I don't have to face it. But what if I was the person who could face it? And no matter what it is, I will take care of that inner child. Oh, it's almost like saying, if I did have, like a way of tricking ourselves, if I did have a knowing, what might it be? Right. Or if I was going to walk in the direction that feels the most obvious, what is that? Mm. Uh, It makes me think, in times of expansion, I like to do my journal practice in the evening, not not just in the morning, which my favorite time of the day is my journal practice in the morning, but in the evening, 
and maybe specifically targeting it to my inner child and say, hey, tell me something that's going on inside of you right now, or tell me what you're desiring, or what might you want to create, or what could I do for you? As just a way to start to really tap that place of knowledge, Mm -hmm. to see what, what might want to be, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I'm the same. I love getting up as early as possible and having a really long morning time with myself and, and you know, my higher self. And lately the calling has been that second meditation. Yeah. And really that second meditation of the day has been really deep and really juicy and almost transcendent. And that's when really my I'm starting to feel this, like, recalibration in my body uh, where the things that I'm practicing and uncovering in the morning practice are integrating in the afternoon. And Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting when you, we must all, and part of taking on more of a childlike energy is, is learning how to follow the charm of, again, of just what feels good. And no one can give us what feels good to us if we are not giving to ourselves what feels good to us because the us that wants it can't trust and receive it if we haven't been able to give it to ourselves first. Mm. And so there's a really deep calling to get in deep touch with yourself, your desire, your inner child, your outer child, whatever way you want to think about it, your muse, your creative spark, your ideas, your soul, but the part in you that wants desperately to be in communication with you, your only job is to say, what are you whispering? What do you need? How can I be of service to you? How can I be a good friend to you? How can I take care of you? How can I listen a little deeper? What is it that you want me to know? And from that conversation, as an ongoing conversation, your whole life will unfold in magic, in joy, in childlike love, and in things that feel miraculous. But it's actually just the life that you were already given. It's like you just opened the treasure chest. It's so funny that you say the word treasure because the thing that was on the tip of my tongue was that Elizabeth Gilbert quote about how the universe uh, hides jewels inside of us, treasures waiting to see if we will find them. And I really do think that that inner investigation into whatever it is that you want to call it is the part of you that knows and the part of you that is like, I got all the jewels to share with you if you come right here. You know, part of this whole book about um, healing from abandonment is kind of like if you had um, a parent that created a situation of abandonment with you, then you end up recreating that with yourself later on in life. As in, you start to abandon your own inner voice or your own inner child and how to make that relationship the most primary in your life. Yeah. Right? So that so that even if we didn't model for us, get modeled for us that who we are and what we have is the most valuable thing in the world, we can create that relationship with ourselves. That's it. Who are you? What do you want? How can I take care of you? How can I nurture you? You are so important to me. 
You are worth listening to. You are worth my time and attention. You are where the treasure is, and I know it. Mm. And so I will listen with an ear finely tuned to the wisdom that is inside of you. So if you're listening to this right now, I mean, unless you're driving, (laughs) but if you're listening to this right now, even just take a moment and close your eyes and just see intuitively where your hand might land on your body. If you say, I want to listen to that deep down place, that inner child place, that muse place, that, that intuitive space, and just put your hand there and just breathe into it. A breath that is given, that is a gift in this moment. You didn't ask for it just came. And here is this beautiful breath. Here it is given. Here is this life given. Here is this moment given. You've already been given so much. And now just take a moment and and look in and say, you got anything for me? Do you have anything you want me to know? Is there some treasure in here? that I can have a peek at? And as you start listening, maybe at first it's just a silence. But there could be a sense of peace or safety in that silence. Maybe there's a little whisper. Maybe there's a little hit that says, go get a macaron. You know, who knows? It doesn't have to mean anything to you. It's just let's start a conversation where I'm more intent on listening than speaking and where I'm more intent on giving love than getting anything and where I'm so intentional about getting to know this sacred place inside of me where everything has already been given. You are the treasure. There is no need to go looking for it out there in the world. There's nobody who can give it to you. It's right there inside of you. And that is the brand new life that is waiting to emerge from the inside today. Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you liked this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing or who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C period R period E period A period T period E period community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend?